Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What is a Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 150 people around this question, not to provide you with the universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. On the 38th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm delighted to have Anthea Grimison as our guest. Anthea is a debt doula, Reiki master, certified yoga and breath teacher, as well as a psychedelic guide, focusing on the research and healing impact psychedelics are having on people at all stages of life, particularly those facing death. In this this episode, Anthea shares with us her journey of studying various philosophies and numerous spiritual methods across several continents. We discuss how losing her mother at a young age, as well as her studies of Eastern philosophies, has made her more comfortable with death throughout her life and guided her towards her present work. Anthea also delves into a number of her profound experiences of working with the dying, as well as significant moments from her own life where she felt connected with spirit and guided by a deeper intuition. We also reflect on our experiences with and perspectives on psychedelics, as well as elements of the research that are being done in terms of their impact on people at the end of their life. If you're taking life for granted and going through the motions, or you're feeling disconnected from yourself and your intuition, this episode will give you plenty to contemplate and provides numerous perspectives, anecdotes, and methods for you to consider. Anthea is someone who I know in life who is diligently pursuing both her emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual health. And so I took a lot from this conversation as I'm sure you will too. And so if you enjoy this episode, please like, share and subscribe. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please leave a review as I'd greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 38th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast. Anthea, thank you so much for joining me today on the What Is A Good Life podcast. As I mentioned to you in some of our texts beforehand, if I was to predict 15 years ago that I'd be <laughs> having you on a podcast to be talking about the things we may be talking about today, I'd have wondered where it has all gone wrong. Um, <laughs> but right. conversely, it feels like things are going very right. Uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful to have you here today. I agree, Mark, and I'm, I'm excited for our conversation Wonderful. Well, Anthea, as I have the habit of starting these things off with, it is with the question of, is there a question that you're trying to answer as you move through life? Yeah, I mean, like you, I'm very curious. So I ask a lot of questions and I've probably pondered the big questions a lot throughout my life. But there is a question that I'm asking a lot recently of myself. And this might sound morbid to some people, but it's it's really like if I was to die tomorrow, would that be okay? Would I be ready? And, um, you know, if this was my last day on earth as Anthea, would, you know, how would that be? Would I actually be ready? And of course, there's like, I asked that question for many reasons. One, I'm with my work, I'm very aware of the fragility of life. You know, I've contemplated impermanence for a long time through yoga studies, Buddha studies, practices, um, and had some early losses in life. And so that presence has always been there that we don't know how long we have, but then it also helps kind of center me around what's actually important. What am I doing and, and, and what's actually important in this moment? So there's loads of questions that come below that, like, am I ready to let go? Have I fully embraced impermanence? can I be grateful for the life that I've already lived and not have regrets, you know? And have I learned what I'm here to learn and grown in some way? And um, yes, yeah, so that's a question I seem to be asking myself a lot. And the honest answer would be yes and no. Can, yeah, can you tell me, I love this to start off with, there's so much you've given me here already, but the, the sense then of 
what what has you saying yes to that question and what has you saying no to that question like yeah, you know I mean, am i ready to die tomorrow yeah i mean the yes is around like how how could i not accept that if that was what my timeline was you know in terms of looking at the life that i've had already the opportunities you know all the amazing people in my life all around the world um the different careers i've had the countries i've lived in i mean i've lived so many lives in one life already so how could i not be okay with that so uh, that's one hand on the one hand and then on the and and also understanding that death is really normal and can happen at any age um i'm very aware of that i work with clients in their 30s 40s 50s 60s you know all the all ages. So my own mother died at 37. Um, so that would be the yes. And then the no would be, I don't feel ready. <laughs> like I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to die. And um, I feel like it, goodbyes would be hard. And um, I feel like I, you know, I would love another 45 years, but that's not in my control. So yeah, I mean, I feel like I've a lot, I've a lot more to give actually I feel like I've been gifted an amazing life and you know not without its pain and suffering but I've had opportunities to really look at my own healing and and gone through a lot of change in the last 10-15 years and I want to be more in service going forward you know I already am but I want to do more of that so I feel like I have more to give yeah it's um there's some look um obviously you know that i've i've interviewed a few death doulas now i've got on this uh this big curiosity with this but there's there's something i really enjoy even with your perspective here of and it's a feeling i get more from you even than the words in your saying but there does genuinely seem to be a like more of a piece in just what you're emanating in, in talking about this, which seems so kind of counterintuitive to the way that death is usually brought up in the in common discussions. Can yeah. you, I, I know you've mentioned there the idea of, you know, even through your, your meditation and this idea of around impermanence, could you give me a sense just of how you've not detached completely from this, but just how that's loosened uh, for you in your own journey? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, well, for a start, the language around death and dying is 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 typically very um, dark, right? You know, and and when people haven't been around it, of course, there's fear and of course, there's denial. You know, it's not an easy subject to face or look at. And um, I think just I've contemplated death my whole life. And that is one of the gifts that I got from having lost a parent at a very young age. Like I remember being a child yeah. lying in bed, thinking about death and like what happens and where do you go? And still in some way feeling connected to my mother, but not understanding it. And I didn't really have anyone to talk to. I kept it to myself, you know, but I do, I do think that stood to me now in the work that I do, like, just having that understanding that we don't get to decide how long we're here. And so every day is a gift and just to see it that way. And when it's your time, it's your time and not to see it as like something's wrong or bad or, you know, it just is the natural course of life, the way animals and plants die. So do we, if you get to live to old age, that's a huge privilege. I, like I said, I work with some younger clients and so, 
I think it's just really normalized for me now the fact that it, this is just the natural process of life, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's. Um, I don't know. Even just like looking at the trees sometimes and seeing the leaves emerge to fall off or to change colors, I, I think there is something about having a more deeper or wider perspective of the universe's comings and goings. It, it, yeah. it does kind of make us, it does make me feel like I just fall more into the natural order of things rather than I'm the master of my ship, so to speak. Yeah. And, I, you know, I there's an exercise I like to do with people sometimes where it's the zooming in and zooming out. And the zooming out perspective can be really helpful if there is like fear, you know, it's like zooming out to the whole world and the fact that, you know, we're all just passing through all of us. And so I'll often say to clients, you know, like, well, I'm heading the same direction as you. I'm right behind you. Your loved ones are right behind you. You're just leading the way, you know, as they're on yeah. their deathbeds, if there's a little bit of fear or and so if you zoom out to that, what connects us as humans and that we're all actually on that same path. It, it just helps to normalize it, you know, and that we're also interconnected in that way. And then the zooming in is like important to also recognize the individual. So helping them kind of see, well, you know, what's meaningful for them, what's important to them in that moment, what's, you know, what's coming up for them. And I'm so always so curious when people are right at the, you know, about to cross over, like what's what's their experience and what's important in that moment, you know, back to that question that I asked, like, what would be important if today was my last day? Yeah. So, yeah. This is a, it, it seems like such a, I don't know, it seems like such a privilege or something to be in that position, to be asking these questions. And, and even just that sentiments when you're saying there of I'm right behind you, or I'm, you know, you're leading the way. I don't know, it, it kind of gets me a little, it, it seems like a very connecting kind of sentiment. Yeah. I think just, for people who are like, you know, have a terminal disease, they can feel isolated around like, oh, I didn't fight this, you know, I'm giving up or, and because again, the language around cancer and disease is also pretty harsh and like fighting battle, you know, and yeah. it's, it's so far removed from the fact that like disease and death are just normal parts of life as our, you know, health and wellness too, you know, ideally we're, we try and be as healthy as possible. And, but at some point <laughs> the body will be done. The body will, you know, start to decay. And what I f find fascinating is, you know, it's like there, for me, when I'm working with someone who's at the end of life, you see their world gets smaller, their bodies get smaller, their energy get smaller, you know, in terms of they're more inner, they're less expressive, communicating less. And um, however, there's a real sense of expansion on an energetic level, on a spirit level. Like when I do Reiki with people who are right at the end, like typically I only need to do five, 10 minutes, a sh really short session. There's so much energy happening. There's so much going on. I can really feel it. Sometimes my hands are almost burning and I get this sense of expansion and they're about to, it's like their small body vessel, earth vessel is too small to contain this now. And um, I find that a helpful perspective as well, that it's not all, 
you know, death and decay and and sadness, there's also expansion and beauty and, um, you know, spirit and people who've had near-death experiences talk about this all the time, that it was beautiful what they saw. Well, this, uh, this sentiment or this idea of performing Reiki, um, and I'd also just wouldn't mind you just kind of explaining that, uh, the concept of Reiki as well, maybe to, to people that, uh, that are listening, sure. but this idea of feeling their energy and it's, it's this almost like a, like it feels like a very palpable expansive source where you know we may see a body that may looks like it's as you say it's it's getting smaller or their their activity is getting smaller but you're you're saying that you're feeling this this rather like palpable or or almost tangible force within them right yeah i mean i had a client who i i was actually hired to go from by her friends to to give her reiki treatments she was not willing to accept that she was very clearly dying and she had 11 year old son so you know I understood that I was like the most important thing for her might be to fight for her life and just and and so they didn't even tell her that I was a death doula I was just there to to help with her anxiety and give Reiki treatments and I I remember putting my hands on her and that's what I really felt you know and I, she would ask me, what do you feel? What do you feel? And I didn't really tell her at the beginning until we'd established a relationship over a good few visits. And yeah, I remember just, well, first of all, I was asking her about, you know, have you, has anyone close to you in your life died? And she said her mother and her brother had, and she felt very connected to them and especially her mother. And I, I was like, well, you know, because she was really struggling with this question, is it my time? You know, I don't know. And it very clearly was like from a clinical perspective from her, right, right. you know, there was no treatment that was going to save her, but she couldn't get her head around it. And so I was like, well, have you thought about asking your mom? And so that night, apparently she was like in her sleep, reaching out, talking to her mom. And then the next time I saw her, she was like, I, I think I've work to do on the other side. And that's when I kind of like, we op- it opened up the discussion around what I actually felt. And, and you know, because I was hesitant to say, I feel like your spirit is about to burst out of your body with a stranger, <laughs> right? You know, uh, you have to be very careful. <laughs> and But she, that totally, once she had got it, that I think I'm transitioning. And then I kind of also said, this is what I feel when I do Reiki on you, which for people who don't know, um, Reiki is energy healing, you know, so it's, I'm simply a channel. It's a very, it's light touch, hands-on healing where, you know, you're channeling life force into someone at end of, with people at end of life, it's always very powerful. I feel like they're so open, you know, and, and so that was comforting to her too, because she was like, oh yeah, this body that's in pain and struggling, I'm going to be free of that soon. Anthea, like, would you hear, like, when you even think about that, like, the idea that you feel like their soul is, um, or their soul or spirit is, is bur- almost trying to burst out of their body, um, like, when, when were you kind of comfortable with the, like, with that? <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm, I'm almost even thinking, um, I've, I've been best friends with your younger brother. We come from a very typical 
suburban kind of background, if you know what I mean. And yeah. I, I know you were talking about um, obviously the loss of your mother at an early age. And con- so obviously, you, you know, your inner world was attuned to something different than maybe a, a stand like a standard experience. But yeah, like, did you because what you're saying resonates a lot with me at this point in my life and I, I'm fasc- I'm fascinated by the by the work um, and when you first told me a few years ago that this is what you got into even though we hadn't had a, a proper sit down I was like oh geez auntie I really want to hear about this yeah but did it take were you always quite kind of sympathetic to this notion that our soul or spirit goes somewhere or have you built up a a belief system, a model or something that allows you kind of to go, yeah, this is this is what's happening here. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I never really bring any of my beliefs to my clients. So just to say that, like, if I, I, I always will meet people where they're at and I won't be talking about spirit if people are not interested in that. But um, oh, no, I, I absolutely understood. I, I was kind of just thinking from your perspective, like yeah. even how you experience these things. Yeah, no, it kind of a couple of things happened around it was around the age of 30 I had a big shift and so that's when I got into Reiki that's when I got into yoga and everything changed you know um yoga was the greatest gift for me ever in terms of just kind of connecting to my body to um my breath learning to meditate just connecting to myself energetically as well and then at the same time I was I was learning Reiki and I was doing, you know, I went all the way up to master level and I was doing a Reiki clinic. I was joining a Reiki circle. I never really understood how it worked. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know how this, but it seems to benefit people. And, it, I, you know, I feel the benefit too, you know, but trying to get my head around what was helpful for me to understand is that it's not about me doing anything. I'm a, it, you're being a channel as a practitioner and you get out of the way. And I find, you know, it's the same in anything that you're teaching, you're kind of channeling wisdom from somewhere else, right? Yeah. And you get out of the way and let people have their own experience. And so th- I think through doing a lot of Reiki, connecting to energy, feeling different things, you know, and anyone can do this. We all have it. It's just, you know, understanding that everything is made up of energy and you can channel it, you know, into the body and um, I would feel different things. I would see different things, but it took me a long time to get comfortable in understanding what I was feeling or seeing. Yeah. And so I wouldn't, I would always be very careful about saying to a client, you know, I'm seeing something or, or feeling something, but it's been very consistent. When I do Reiki with people at the end of life, I feel there is a lot of energy, whatever that means. It's just something <laughs> is getting ready to to expand. That's what it feels like. Yeah, it's. Um, I've I've experienced Reiki a, a few times, and, I, and I, but I'm, I'm by no means an aficionado in it. And I just remember um, a practitioner kind of had a crystal with the pointy end above my sternum. Oh yeah. And I literally, I I actually had to open my eyes because I I lit and I accused them that they. <laughs> They they dug it into my skin, <laughs> uh, yeah. And to which they just looked at me with a quizzical look, saying, "I haven't touched you." So I, well, well, yeah. understanding nothing about it, because um, <laughs> it's been a while, even since those sessions, I, I do believe that there's something really fascinating uh, as that that is a modality and a number of other things that I've uh, I've experienced as well. Yeah, and I would just say, 
just one final thing on Reiki. It's really like giving people love, to be honest, you know? And it's the same thing when I'm with someone at the end of life. It's whatever, wherever they're at, whatever they're going through, it's like, can I just be with them and love them? And, you know, that's that's really what it's about. Wow, what a what a beautiful sentiment. You know, and it, how like it's as, it's as simple and as profound as that, right? Yeah, yeah. In terms then just of, I'm just curious to know what you, do you hold, and if you're comfortably discussing this, do you hold a, like a, a feeling, a belief as to where people are going or, or how do you kind of interpret that? Yeah, I mean, again, around that early age, I've been, and I've, you know, I was lucky to always have yoga teachers that from taught way beyond just asana body you know practices it was like you know I really got into the philosophy of yoga um and I guess I'd kind of rejected religion as a teenager but was still kind of curious about all religions and how they helped people and and what all the different beliefs were around um death and dying and afterlife and rebirth and all this. So I got really into that kind of in my 30s. And just the concept of um, continuation of who we really are, that that doesn't change and that there's a continuation and, you know, the concept of rebirth and that like immediately resonated with me. That's not to say I mean, ultimately, we don't know, right? <laughs> but uh, what I felt was like, yeah, I feel like I've been here before, maybe many times. And and um, that doesn't, but as this person, I have this lifetime. That's what we know. And so, yeah, I mean, I've studied all the theories and philosophies and um, I'm open and I may have some of my own feelings or beliefs. I certainly, I'm more curious about because the people who are actually dying are, are teaching me. I get the privilege to be with them. And, and so I'm really curious about what they're seeing when they've got one foot on the other side or what they're feeling. Or, um, you know, I've done work with a medium and had direct, you know, feedback from spirit, different people in my life who've died. And um, I'm actually training with her at the moment. And so, you know, I'm open to all of us, I do believe in spirit. I personally believe in rebirth, but I completely also get, you know, all the concepts and, and ultimately we don't know. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's, uh, I, my views would be very aligned with what you've just said there. And in, in terms as well of there's nothing dogmatic to what I'm curious about, but this is just how I feel and this feels, you know, because... If you if you look at it, if you say the Big Bang well, something came from nothing, cool. Where have we seen that in science? You know, there's we're we're kind of left, I think, with a big question mark, and in, in, from an intellectual point of view, and a lot of our curiosities. Uh, exactly. You, you know, and and as you say, it, it's until you've experienced passing through or or whatever occurs, then maybe we know. And I don't. I I even wonder if we are even conscious of what's just happened just before as well. All sorts of questions um, in yeah. terms of um, in terms of that, but. There is something, I don't know, there is something to me, like when you mentioned earlier that you, 
that you're you came here to learn what you were supposed to learn uh, i th- i think you kind of o- opened up with when i was asking you around the question of is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through your life that that to me sounds quite um not soothing or something but like i, I that also resonates as well like okay, that yeah. we are here on some kind of mission or there's something to it yeah i had one uh teacher describe it as you know the universe is you know is like university you know we're here to learn and grow we all have our own specific things that we need to work on and look at and you know heal from and and um and maybe and contribute to the world um and that may be unique for all of us and um it's a choice whether we decide to do that um you know and and to enjoy life too and understand that it is a, a bit of you know it's kind of a miracle and a, a gift that we're here and not for it to get all so serious all the time to not forget to enjoy that too but um i'm always i mean i don't think i'll ever stop learning studying um always want to be a better version of myself you know uh, and i i think you're like that too yeah in in terms then of you know, you were mentioning, okay, so first you, you like yoga and, and Reiki are some of the modalities. Um, and then you've just through continuing, like, was it, was it almost like, uh, just a, like a natural evolution from that? And then as you were mentioning, even your, your earlier experiences with death that you orientated in this direction or, or how is, how has that kind of even evolved for you in a, in a practical sense? Um, working with dying yeah yeah um yeah I I know I get asked that question a lot like how did you get into this and it's not like you wake up one day and go I want to be a death doula although when I heard about that that role existed it did kind of light something up for me I was like oh you know non-medical support (laughs) for people at end of life yes absolutely we should have you know a a better approach to death and I've always felt like we can do better you know and so um I guess from my early experiences um and then I you know I had a dear friend here who died a few years ago and I got to I was invited into her experience and you know I got to be with her every day in her last week and I was doing Reiki on her and 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 we would have the most amazing conversations around death and and uh, she knew I was interested in this work and really was the one to encourage me like I think pretty soon after she died I did my initial death doula training and um yeah so it's been an exploration over years and then you know pandemic hit I I needed to you know find new work and I was like well this is my opportunity to just to go for this and do this and see what happens you know and so continue to do more education set up my doula practice was volunteering for hospice um started seeing clients and and it's just gone from there you know so but it, it's been over I would say a, a lifetime of contemplating it like I said and yeah. and maybe in earlier years shutting it away and being a little bit afraid of death I certainly none of us had tools growing up to even talk or you know work with grief um 
And so it was definitely much, you know, later, um, I guess, through different experiences um, with family or friends and then and through studying yoga philosophy, different philosophies. I also had a pretty impactful experience when when I was leaving Ireland and leaving my corporate job behind because I had a whole corporate career before this. And right. I was about to head off to Asia to study and teach yoga. And, and um, on a whim, I just decided to go up to where both my mother and my nanny, my grandmother, um, were cremated up in Belfast. And there's a tree to remember them. And um, I it was absolutely lashing rain, miserable, like Sunday afternoon. And a friend had come up with me. And there was no one around but this one guy who was working there. And for a start, he showed us, you know, he showed me the big book where all the names and dates are for everyone who, you know, was buried there. And when I looked at my mother's death date, it just struck me so hard that, you know, if I was her or if she was me at that age, she would have had a year and a half left to live. Wow. And I had a lot of nerves and fear and I was leaving my secure job behind and I was just like unsure of like, am I being ridiculous? Just like changing my life in my 30s and heading off to, you know, this is not very responsible. Yeah, trust, like, trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone else is settling down, having kids. And I was just, you know, and immediately all the fear lifted Um, because I was like, what if I only have a year and a half left to live? And so... There was no, like, doubting my decision. And um, But the other thing that happened was this guy was, I mean, there was no one there and he was a bit bored and he'd worked with death his whole life. His father and grandfather had, and you know, been grave diggers and everything. So we got into an amazing conversation around working with death, you know? And he was like, well, do you want to go down and see the ovens? And you know the way you see, like, the coffin, like, go behind the curtains in a crematorium yeah. or down into a hole and we were kind of looking down he's like I shouldn't really be bringing you down there but do you want to go down and have a look and my friend and I we were both like yeah and so you know and thinking about this is where my mother's body and grandmother's body went you know and um saw the ovens they were still warm from some coffins that had been put in and then he showed us every step of the process from like the bucket of bones that come out of the oven. So obviously everything else is burnt off, but there's still pieces of bones and you can see like hip bones and, and then the crushing machine that in three minutes turns that into, you know, the, the ashes, what you, what you get. And then the, the rows and rows of boxes of um, people's ashes, you know, and so he was just talking us through the whole process and what his experience was and how the hardest part was always handing the box to the family, you know, but it just right. kind of really fascinated me and normalized the whole process, you know, so. Um, what a crash course, like, or <laughs> just like spontaneously. Spontaneous. And then I went out to the tree where, you know, my mom and nanny's ashes were. And I had a, a moment where I just literally put my hands on the tree and I instantly just felt their protection that they were going to be with me, you know. And so that day was really, I think, sparked a lot of things for me. <laughs> um, but it's one of right. many experiences 
and so it's hard to really a- answer succinctly when people are like, why are you a death doula? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but wow. Like that just sounds like an incredible day. Like it just a series of incredible experiences, like seeing your mother's, uh, seeing how old she, uh, you know, how long you would have left if, um, if you were to pass at the same age and that kind of releasing things as well. The crash course by by the stranger. Do you want to check this out? Do you want to check that out? Yeah. And then just p- putting your hands on the tree and feeling, I don't know, feeling their their support or their 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 support in 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 you taking the next steps in your life. Like, there's something to this. I think that if you, I really think there's something far more going on in this world beyond the material, beyond the logical. Um, that if you attune yourself to it, like, of course, if you say this to somebody who this doesn't resonate with at all, they'll just go, yeah, whatever, you know, and more power to them. Everyone can have their own view. But, but I do think when you increase your, either your awareness, your consciousness, your sensitivity to events, you can feel truth in these moments. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're open to it and honestly, the only reason I even went up there was, I was lying, you know, in Shavasana corpse pose after yoga. <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, funnily enough, and an image of that tree like came up. And I said it to my friend, who's he's he's a bit of a, <laughs> a wild one. And he was just like, you have to go. You have to go to the tree. And I was like, I have four days before I leave to India. He's like, we're going. And so like there was just a series of like, listening to listening right tuning in and listening and like not turning away from when you get messages and you get insights and so over time i've just learned i think to listen more and be open to being guided um you know beyond my own thoughts and like there's there's so much more than my intelligence right and um yeah and uh, to be open to those insights and guidance and and intu- my own intuition too. So it's kind of how I, I live in a way, um, how I make decisions. And, you know, it, it's taken time to f- and I'm still fine tuning that obviously, but uh, yeah, so um, at, without a meditation practice, you know, with, without an inner practice, that would also not be possible. Like a daily looking in and just being open. Yeah, it's um, I, it's kind of just amazing the universe that exists within us. Um, like it's amazing all the things that are there to be observed if we do take that time. And yeah. the, there's something really kind of counterintuitive to the way that perhaps... Um, I would have approached life before from a more maybe logical point of view. And I'm not here to trash logic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, everything, everything is, everything can be a tool at a disposal, but there is something really like I look at my life at times and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) You know, and and I, and I have to laugh. Yeah. But I have to laugh at myself, but it still feels fine. You you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. There's trust, right? You're able to trust somehow that you're you know if you're going in the right direction you know if something is off because the body gives us 
you know, gives us signals. And I'm super interested in, like, you know, we talk about health, right? For example, we often talk about physical health, a little bit more these days in mental health, which kind of incorporates some emotional health. But we don't really talk about spiritual health, right? And um, I feel like all four of those areas need to be looked at regularly you know how how am i doing you know and ment you know mental health the logical part of our brains is important you know to help kind of you know make decisions getting a clear mind um and obviously healthy body is helpful for you know feeling well and and uh, but i feel like being able to tune into your body as well and listen to what it's telling you um emotions like regulation of emotions um you know emotional intelligence what are your emotions telling you that's not something we were taught right but it it, it yeah, it's, yeah and um and then in terms of spiritual health for me that's not saying like oh you have to believe something but it's like what what's what's giving you meaning right and so i think when you know you're in the right direction it's because you're following your own personal like what's giving your life meaning and your imbalance in those areas. Yeah. It's, um, have you got, have you got pretty comfortable at this stage in terms of just following this, uh, this feeling, this intuition, <laughs> like, do you, like, I, I think the longer I go, you know, my journey probably started around eight years ago or so, as I maybe mentioned to you before, with starting meditation and reading into different uh, areas of life. Um, but it's really interesting just the to still make those steps because we're, we kind of have to walk through a wall of conditioning. You have to walk through walk through a wall of maybe even holding less attachment to what other people think of me or or caring what other people think. And and I think. And then even just connecting with some ideas that are, you know, that like would have just seemed crazy to me before. Like, do, do you get me? Like, and and not only just like, but really feeling them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so not just I've read something in a book because I think there's a lot of people that are on a, a let's say a spiritual path of inquiry that read something in a book and then regurgitate it. But you don't feel when I'm around them that maybe they it's much more than an intellectual concept. But to, to actually feel this stuff as well, like, I think it's a whole huge process. Like there's so many kind of layers to it. Yeah. And, you know, your point about taking the time, taking the time, right, which is really what a, an inner practice gives you. It's like if, you, you know, taking the time to be with yourself and check in on yourself. And then, you know, so there are many tools and many many ways to do this to fine tune you know um to train the mind to tune into your emotions your body um develop a spiritual practice there's so many ways and and tools yoga being one so many different types of meditation but something you know um to be able to look inside and 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 listen to yourself you know and what's coming up and then and then sometimes it's more external tools like working with a therapist to look at like what needs to be addressed from the past or you know healed or working with a coach a teacher um you know um 
I read something recently, which I thought was brilliant around like um, healing trauma. I'm doing this course about understanding trauma for birth and death doulas. And in the book, um, it was saying that rhythm is so important for for healing because all of life is rhythm from your mother's mm. heartbeat that you hear in the womb, right? And um, that's why we're so drawn to music and dance and walking and swimming and yoga, whatever it is. It's like that we need movement and we need rhythm. And I just love that because I love to dance and, and um, music's always <laughs> been a big part of my life. But that, you know, indigenous cultures knew this. They knew that you've got to move and dance and the community aspect as well, right? Um, so I'm just lear I'm learning, you know, so much at the moment around um, trauma as well. And it, it's become a big word recently. And I think it's great that we're turning towards some of these healing paths and psychedelics as well um, is getting a, you know, resurgence. And um, there's just so many, there's so many tools, but they're all, you know, there's no one thing that it no yeah. one magic bullet no one pill you can take or practice you can do it's it's all really about looking looking at yourself and then being open being open to spirit or being guided or the universe that we just don't understand most of you know yeah yeah this is um i i think that's beautifully put like this I really love the idea as well, like that it, it, there's so many different um, methods or, or, or tools at our disposal to, to potentially try to look within and, and to try to not maybe intellectually order or make sense of it all from that perspective, but even just to fall into like a, I don't know, like a deep acceptance of things as well, like or, or the, the pulsings yeah. or the movings of things like as, you, as you're kind of alluding to there as well. Just in, intrigued as well there, just when you, you mentioned um, psychedelics, just I know you kind of touched on how yoga and, and your experiences with Reiki, how did how did they become part of uh, your process as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's front of mind at the moment because obviously there is a lot of talk about psychedelics at the moment. Um, just yesterday, a bill was passed to start the legalization process of certain um psychedelics and um, plant-based psychedelics in california um in certain countries it's legal and indigenous cultures have used plant medicine for like thousands of years as in you know in for ceremonial healings as part of rituals rites of passage um i'm super interested in, and from a personal perspective um, I'm looking at all the research that's, you know, also emerged in the last few years around um, supporting people at end of life with anxiety, psilocybin. And then so out of that interest and out of starting to work with end of life, I did actually train to be um, a psychedelic guide. And yeah. um, I'm, you know, so I'm both super interested in the healing power of these medicines that have been known by indigenous cultures for many, many years, and all the research that's coming out to kind of support that now and the movement here in the US anyway, to allow, you know, um, allow this as, as, as therapy and as a therapeutic, you know, 
tool that can be used. So yeah, it's um, it's a big topic at the moment um, and it's happening right now. Yeah, it's it's super fa- like it's it's super fascinating to me too. Like I had um, I had an experience before where I actually consulted my clinical psychologist before I um, embarked upon a ceremony with ayahuasca a number of yeah. years ago, um, and I, like you're kind of saying there, I don't think there's a silver there's a, not a silver bullet to sort out everything, but I, I do think that there there's really fascinating things in what some of these tools can do in, in kind of maybe I'm just saying this from a personal experience. Now I, I've, I wouldn't be as well read. I'm sure in the research of you, like I've, I've seen things by Tim Ferriss and and talking about the Johns Hopkins hospital and the funding and they're doing on some of these trials. I know what Ram Dass and Tim Leary did with Harvard university almost back in the sixties. And I've heard stories from that, those situations as well. But I think anything that can just get us to occupy almost a a different perspective or a different seat exactly. in observing ourselves, um, I, I think they. I'm really intrigued to see what developments come from this in in terms of because I've often thought in my experiences either with ayahuasca or psilocybin, um, I've often been really curious as to what it could do to somebody who is going through potentially end of life this is a thought that i've had a, a few years ago yeah. whereas just like when i just see the fear and the tension sometimes around death and i i i, I did wonder when i was um when i had some experiences like this what would that do to a person in that situation like yeah. what might that open up or exactly because you, you know it sounds very trite to recall psychedelic experience i, I sometimes think they're like it's like trying to hold on to water, running water through your hands. <laughs> you, you know, like me saying that I ex- felt like I experienced death and <laughs> and very genuinely yeah. felt like I was scratching at a headboard in a dark room with, you know, w- without any interaction with other people or or, um, or music or anything like this. I genuinely felt like I was experiencing that. And wow. so I, I, I was just really, I don't know, I was really, I'd be really intrigued even if, even from the people you're training with or, or experiences yeah. you've you've had the experience of seeing, like what kind of shifts have you seen come about with people? Yeah, well, you know, um, and a, a lot of the research is on people who have like terminal cancer and are facing and have anxiety around end of life. And the results are amazing. You know, it just, even one dose of psilocybin can help, you know, people just... Um, like have a significant reduction in fear of dying and just feel more kind of interconnectedness and access to like a lot of people have very mystical experiences, you know, and just access to, to love, I guess, you know, so it can be really opening. Um, I did have one doula client actually last year who um, actually knew Timothy Leary (laughs) And um, was very experienced with psychedelics and um, amazing man to work with. And I I had the privilege of being with him in his final week, you know, and I think I did Reiki on him uh, the day, which ended up being the day before he died. And talk about what I feel like 
that I, I, I genuinely felt like I was flying through the cosmos with him. <laughs> like, you know, it was right. like, and I was just on his head and it was only very short, but I, it was just, I somehow connected to what I imagine was his experience. And this particular client, and this is not common, he did not want any morphine, any painkillers, anything to, he was very curious about his death experience. He wanted to feel it all. Sometimes that was pain. Sometimes that was discomfort. Sometimes that was awe and wow, you know? And, um, and so what it looks like from our perspective with like coughing and moaning and, and all this, but then when I did this Reiki session on him and it was just like, I, I felt like, he's about to take his final journey and it's really pretty magical. And, um, and that was reassuring. He fell fast asleep then. And, um, his, you know, his daughter arrived and that was reassuring to her. Cause it doesn't always look pretty. Like I said, the changes, the body yeah. goes through the noises, the like breathing changes. And, and, um, but I just, very strongly felt like he's he's okay and actually in fact I think he's about he's having this amazing experience right now and I went to say goodbye to him he'd just woken up I went to say goodbye to him and um he just opened his eyes and he went wow <laughs> <laughs> and then closed his eyes and I was like what do you experience? <laughs> like I was just, but I, that was the last word I heard from him. And he died the next, early the next morning, um, holding, you know, his daughter's hands who had her baby in her hands and just looking in their eyes. And, um, he like, he taught me cause I was like, this was someone who was experienced in psychedelics. And I really think that helped prepare him for this final journey. He like, he knew he was in the field Ramdas and, Timothy Leary and and um and I really think it helped prepare him and he did have he had no fear only curiosity and it was wow <laughs> so can psychedelics be part of helping people prepare for death yes I think so you know and like we spoke about you know it's not the the be all and end all you know and they're not suitable for yeah. everyone and they're not accessible to everyone um but uh from my own personal experiences they were very powerful and they helped me get clear on my path another element of like this is the work I need to do now with end of life that came through psychedelic journeys <laughs> um connection yeah. to spirit on a deeper level also came through that um I don't think it's something that needs to be done all the time. I think if people have done a lot of self-work, it helps have a better journey and experience. And so if they've worked with a therapist, if they have a meditation practice and therefore can drop in and to the experience easier, um, I think that's a benefit too. Uh, sometimes there's struggle because there's resistance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do believe they're powerful medicines when treated with respect and when the process is, is you know, is managed well and there's the right support, there's the right preparation, there's the right integration. And um, that's not to discount recreational experiences. There's plenty of people who've, like, had amazing 
recreational experiences and with mushrooms or whatever. And there's other people who had terrifying experiences, you know. So I just feel like in the therapeutic setting, it's better to have it very structured. And um, how I was trained to to be with people, and I've had the privilege of you know helping people prepare for a psychedelic journey and really looking at their stuff and where they're at in life and where they're feeling out of balance in all those areas, the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. What are their intentions for doing a journey? Like, why would they want to, you know, do something like this? And um, because it is self-work, you know. And then integration being maybe more important, like how to really, like, bring that expansive experience down to the real and daily and practical and integrate it and make changes, like do something with it. Um, Not just have it be an experience and then it's over. It's like, no, help, let this help your, you know, impact your life, so. Yeah, and I, I, once again, just speaking from my experience, like before I, before I took part in an ayahuasca ceremony, like I, if I hadn't seen a therapist and I hadn't started meditating and journaling for, I, I don't know, maybe, nine months beforehand, I think that would have scared the living crap out of me. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and, and even from my, my own experience, I think sometimes uh, with psilocybin, I'm even looking for a difficult, like I, I'm pretty sure what I've experienced um, would, could be something that if somebody did something rec- recreationally or without intention that they would call it a ter- like a bad trip or something yeah. like that. But I, but I think the more that someone looks at themselves, it doesn't even have to be seen. It can be quite intense and it can be quite painful, you know, in some of the almost the the quests that I feel that I go through. Um, and to your point as well, I, I don't know. I, I think they're a really interesting tool, like in terms of yeah. they don't have me wanting to to go back very quickly <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, you, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean like the, uh, there's, there's like you said there's there's so much potentially there's so much richness or areas for investigation or curiosity that come up like it, it's not something that I um I personally go back to very frequently um because there's so much to to integrate I I, I always love to say because yeah. I, I lived in a when I was in Peru for a year I lived in a community where it was being done a bit haphazardly I would say and okay. I and that kind of put me off even partaking in the area that I was in and um, but I was kind of saying to people like thinking like just judging it on the night itself I love the way you're talking about there like getting people to do self-work look at the areas you're uncomfortable in then the bigger part of the process is even the integration afterwards I almost think of psychedelics as um like basing basing a, a, a like a, a marriage off a wedding night do, do, do you know what I mean like yeah. uh, like like it it's yeah. okay it can be a beautiful thing in itself but it's not gonna it's not necessarily gonna be all that instructive of what will happen after the harder work shows up thereafter yeah it's kind of where <laughs> the rubber meets re, meets the road it's like okay well now it's like, what, do you, what are we going to do with it? And so um, that working with people, I really love that kind of integration and, and for myself and working with others. And, you know, like you, I'm I'm a, a coach, you know, not a therapist, but um, so I'm, yeah. I love the like looking ahead and making changes and transformation and like, um, and but sometimes you do have to look back and heal past traumas and, you know, and, and so 
if someone has a therapist that they're working with or has done therapy, that's a huge green flag, you know, um, or they yeah. have tools and, and um, you know, so not relying on just the medicine and respecting it it for what it can do but also it, it ultimately the responsibility lies back with us to to yeah you know, Un- to unfortunately of- so um, yeah <laughs> yeah so it's exciting um, anyway to see where it's gonna go and um it's not something I really ever predicted I would have got involved in because I was pretty closed actually to anything <laughs> you know you know drugs whatever you know having lived quite yeah, cleanly yeah. for quite a while and was like no that was all in my youth and I'm done with any of that but it's night and day when it's it's done in this way you know as medicine and um and so my mind has been opened <laughs> around it and so yeah absolutely the I must say it sounded like such a privilege to to work with this guy that had such an experience with psychedelics like that that almost sounds like the that almost sounds like a dream death if you if that doesn't sound too uh kind of uh, much of an oxymoron just the approaching that part of life with such curiosity like that yeah that would almost seem like that would be the fulfillment of of a life like a, a life well lived or a curious life i mean he was really a teacher because like i said it's not common most people understandably are like give me the pain meds you know um like I don't want to I don't want to suffer at the end of my life um and and I think it was harder for people around him to see when he was groaning and but he absolutely he just did not want anything to interfere with that experience he wanted to go in and really experience death like in a clean pure way and I was like wow that's that's amazing I mean that's I would consider that ideal but um it was just really interesting to see how it was hard you know for others yeah to witness that but I guess I had the privilege of maybe touching a little bit on connecting in with his experience which I really really truly believed was very um beautiful and expansive and so yeah, it, it it sounds um it sounds like that was a real treasure or something like that was like uh you know to to get to experience that to see somebody else go through that like i think it's um you know going back to even i don't know if you've seen this documentary with ram das uh, i think it could have been fierce grace where he talked about when he he was stroked and yeah how he didn't have one spiritual thought in his mind <laughs> he just he just experienced fear and he just kind yeah. of said okay that was his is uh his cue to go okay not ready yet yeah um so to even hear of and you know knowing his background and all the meditation and and the the teaching and the psychedelics and the fasting and every and the psychoanalysis and everything he went through to still have that in that moment it seems uh well it's pretty it seems human like, yeah oh oh uh, uh, absolutely so it just seems like that it was yeah it, what a what a privilege to be able to see something like that yeah and pri- privilege is the word i would use for all that like if i get to be with someone in that space whether altered or or dying it's nothing but a privilege really yeah um, anthea just in terms of of the everything you've shared here like kind of your journey from going from 
you know, working in a corporate job to then, you know, taking off to to India and Thailand and different places for yoga, becoming a, a big part of your life. Um, for Reiki, for focusing on the breath, awareness, consciousness, um, you know, being informed by kind of big moments in life, whether it was even being being touched, having an experience of death as a as a as at a young age, and and thinking about death, and then this amazing experience you're alluding to before heading off to India of, you know, going up to your your mother and your grandmother's gravesite and you know being introduced to to almost the process of death, but then connecting with your your mother and that feeling and your granny of being held and being supported and and almost getting feeling like you're experiencing signs to you know to moving through life and leaving this kind of very intuitive and heart-led experience that's taken you to to different continents to to probably through paths that you could never ever predicted 15 years ago (laughs) you know in terms then even of just your your explorations now in terms of working with the dying, even just opening your eyes being open to even the experience that some people have or the the spaciousness that even the psychedelic experience could afford people in like this gentleman as well. And just this curiosity that you had at the start with this question of am I am I okay or am I prepared to die tomorrow or would I be okay with that? And just this beautiful question to explore as you're moving through life as well. Given everything you've kind of said in the in the discussion up until now, just to to, to ask you finally one last question of uh, what what is a good life for you, Anthea? Yeah, and it's a great question, Mark. Um, I I really think it's just a whole life, you know, that it fully embraces all aspects of the human experience. So, you know, if I think about the physical aspect, it's the being embodied, experiencing joy, but also taking action and doing something positive in the world is one important part for me. Um, And in terms of, you know, courage comes to mind and the emotional aspect, like having the courage to live a life with heart, you know, and and connect with others and be kind. And um, mental aspects would be, clarity of mind um and being you know a clear and awake mind and then but also then on the spiritual aspect it's just remaining light and in awe of uh the mystery of it all so that's That's, uh... all-encompassing like human experience and if if i can do that i think i'll be okay that sounds pretty sweet to me and i must say uh you know, you. I, I, when I was recapping things, I left out one sentiment that you said uh, when you're just serving people is just you're giving people love. And I, I don't know, that's something that I think the more for anyone who's listening, the more we can just approach life from that perspective of just the, uh, I think there's a, it's so profoundly simple as well, just the way you're, you're like the idea of serving people with love, giving people love and and that kind of allows us to experience even or to kind of tap into these kind of senses of awe as well that you've just alluded to there as well. Yeah, the awe and the sense of like, you know, who we really are beneath all of it, like peeling away the layers, which, you know, which I really feel is is love. I mean, <laughs> what's beneath it all or above it all, around it all, who knows? Yeah. 
the great mystery, Anthea. Maybe we can we can chat about that again and and uh, and figure that one out the next time we talk. Sure Anthea, look, thank you so much for your thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for everything you've shared and joining me and us here on the the What Is a Good Life podcast. Uh, as I said at the start, if you had ever told me that you and I would be having a conversation <laughs> like this in these circumstances, I'd have been very surprised. But I'm very grateful we did. I'm grateful too. Yeah, I think our lives looked very different <laughs> back then, but um, sure, look at us now. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Anthea.